chapter 4, starting in verse 12, um, like it says up here, um, Jesus begins to preach. And uh, and the message that Jesus is going to preach uh, is the exact same message that John preached. John, the baptizer, he was in the will of God. He was doing the will of God. And we talked about that a lot last week when Jesus was told to, you know, by this father to go and fast. And, um, and to pray in the wilderness. And he was doing the will of God. And Satan obviously wanted to take him away from the will of God. And he tempt, tempted him to do that. But Jesus was successful. He avoided the temptations. He avoided Satan. And uh, now we come to his preaching ministry. And it's going to begin right here and right now. Um, like I said, the same message as John the Baptist preached. Repent. You know, and that agrees with, with John's ministry but also agrees with what's going on. <laughs> you know, if John's, you know, the, 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 who's considered the last of the Old Testament prophets, even though we find him in the New Testament, he's that line of prophets of the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes, things have changed. It's just, things are, are just, you know, the whole, the whole game. Like communion, for instance, is an example of how the whole thing has changed. No longer any more Old Testament sacrifices. And we don't live by the strict tedious laws and the regulations of the laws. No more of that. We live in grace, we live in mercy, and we have forgiveness freely because of the, the blood of Jesus on the cross. But the same message. The same message. Because, see, God doesn't change. And God's interested in holiness and purity. He's interested in changed lives. And so Jesus isn't saying, well, now that John is gone and the Messiah is here, let's just, you know, he doesn't change the game. It's the same game. Repentance. And I paraphrased it up there. For your own, you know, watching and seeing, you know, pleasure. It says, change your mind and your ways. That's what repentance basically means. Change your mind and your ways. You see, the kingdom of heaven, where God's will is always happening. See, the kingdom of heaven, that's where, in heaven, that's God's kingdom. And his will is always happening. It's, it's perfect, because God's will is always happening. On earth, we've got a clash of kingdoms. And we're going to see this clash of kingdoms this morning. We've got God's kingdom, which should be prevailing and is perfect and wonderful and I believe at some time when Christ returns we will see that on earth as it is in heaven but you know we also have these other mini kingdoms called you and me <laughs> we've got God gave us this wonderful curse called the freedom of will we have a choices to make in our society we praise it we're called a liberal society because we praise and we acknowledge and we love the freedom of choice you know, there's a song, a band, Levo, I remember. Freedom of choice is what you want. Freedom of choice is what you get. And then at the end, he changes. Freedom of choice is what you don't want. is what you don't get. So it's kind of an ironic twist. But that's our society. We love the freedom of choice. And in schools, and we see it a lot. We see the curriculum, and we see it, there's, there's a value and appreciation of choice. When I used to work with Threshold, you know, in, in the care plans, the big part of it was giving people the freedom of choice and the ability to choose. That's a big thing. That's what's praised in our society and community. And what this really is, and God honors it because God gave it to us, 
He said that when he gave Adam and Eve, he gave them freedom of choice to go and to do and to, you know, to care for the land and to have children and to have relationships with each other and, and enjoy life. But a part of that choice was, now choose not to sin, choose not to disobey me. But unfortunately, they chose to. But that idea is our little kingdoms, our mini kingdoms. So I'm a mini kingdom and you're a mini kingdom. And these kingdoms sometimes clash with God's kingdom. <laughs> and that's what we're going to start to see. And that's why we need to hear the message of repent. Change your mini kingdom to line up with God's will, the kingdom of heaven. And it's very close. And it's available to us. That's what it means, at hand. It's close. It's available. It's like a, my pencil here. It's at hand. I can grab it. It's accessible. Like, I, I heard it once described as like, like electricity. I love this illustration because the man who described it when he was a young boy, the electricity wasn't readily available where he lived. So he lived off of pre-electricity stuff, you know, kerosene lamps, um, you know, dry cell batteries running their, 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 you know, radios and whatnot. Imagine that. Imagine having a computer that's run by dry cells, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, my computer died for five minutes again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the, but, the, but the point he was making is this. Imagine a world without electricity. And imagine a world with electricity. How different our world is. How different our behavior is. Our lifestyles are. Now we're more prone to, I mean, now imagine electricity be taken away from you. What, how would your life change? Would you be depressed? Would you be ruined because you no longer have things that are operate off electricity? You know, so, so, so it is. The presence of electricity is a powerful thing. And the kingdom of heaven is like that. God's presence within your life should be so powerful as if, if it were removed, you would feel it just as if electricity was removed. Again, electricity is at hand. I mean, it's close to us. It's a powerful thing. If you know anything about electricity, it's a powerful thing. It can do, it can operate big machines. It could cause you to die if you were to touch yourself on the, in the circuit and complete it and <laughs> become a, a living human light bulb. I mean, it, it's a dangerous, powerful thing. It does many things, you know, and it powers, um, you know, machines that can do fantastic things like the computer itself. I mean, this stuff all right here. It's, but... It's here. It's at hands available. You need to access it. If you didn't know how to access it, i.e. plug things in, then it would be no good to you. I think same thing with the kingdom of God. It's, it's, if you don't know how to access it, and that's why we read the word of God, and we look at what Jesus has to say, and he starts by saying, repent, change your ways, look for me, acknowledge me, put it in your mind that first of all, and that's what our last week and this week is all about, is just considering the fact that it is possible. He, his kingdom is accessible. His spirit is available. You know, and once we get that in our mind, we can start to like maybe wonder, how do I access it? And then I think the word of God will start to really lead us into really accessing the kingdom of God in our daily regular lives. Okay, George. So let's read, starting in verse 12, down to verse 17. It says, when Jesus heard that God had been put into prison. I'm sorry, John, did I say God? Yeah. That's funny. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison. He had returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of um, Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Again, a lot of scriptures, a lot of Old Testament scriptures, Matthew is trying to reach out to the, the Jewish folk, Hebrews, and he wants to use scripture to say, look at Jesus fulfills scriptures. It's a very important quality of the Messiah, as he fulfills God's Holy law. 
in God's holy word. And that's what he's saying here. And again, in Isaiah, he quotes, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, this, this, this area he's going to Capernaum, it's, it's not a thriving capital city. Again, like with John's ministry, he went to the desert. John maybe went a little bit OTT by going to the de- all the way to the desert. Instead of Jerusalem, instead of anywhere, anywhere that had more people that you can reach out to, Jesus did a very similar thing. He went to this barnyard little fishing community. You know, it's kind of like going to a barnyard little mining community and doing ministry. It's, it's a strange thing, but people have to go out of their way. And the thing is, people did go out of the way. First of all, John, who was very well respected, very well loved, he acknowledged and he testified of Christ. And so people will already have their eyes on Christ. And that's good. That's what we should do. That's what our ministry should be like. Even no matter how powerful, how wonderful, or how small it is, it, the whole point of it should be cast the eyes off of me and onto Jesus Christ. And that's what happened. And so people are watching Christ. They're going to follow him to this little silly fishing community. And so here he is in this little, and it's fulfilling scriptures. And it's also, like I said, I think it's strategic. You know, it's a place where Jesus can minister and people would have to get to, to hear the message, to be ministered to. And again, it's also a place of great darkness. The Gentiles, first of all, this area of, um, along the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, I believe speaks of you know, the Roman you know, oppression. You know, it, it belongs to the Romans, which should belong to God's people. And it's a sad time for God's people. It's a sad time because of uh, um, you know, the Babylonian and the Persian you know, exile, and then now the Grecian roman rule over God's people, over God's land. And that was a sad thing for God's people. So they were downcasted, described as people living in darkness. Where's the hope, God? Where's our hope? Where is our, where's our land? Where's our, where are you at, God? Where are you at? It's a dark place. Where are you at? And I might feel that way as well. And you might feel that way. We're living in a little silly community where it's so dark. Where's God? Where's he operating? Where's he at? But you know what? There he is. There's Jesus right next to you. You don't even know it. Don't even see it. He's a great light. And what Jesus is going to do is illuminate all over the place. And I believe once we really find out our need and acknowledge our need for Jesus, he will break through like a beaming great light. You might feel again like the land is like a, is a, is a, is a dooming shadow of a death type of place like is described here. But Jesus gives light to the deadliest of circumstances. That's his purpose for being there. That's his purpose for being here. And I do believe he is here with us. Why do I believe that? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's Christ's kingdom. Christ is the king of, the, of this kingdom. So again, and then from this point on, what's he doing? He's preaching. That message I already kind of expounded on earlier, repentance. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Just like John did. Okay. Now, go ahead and advance the next slide. I probably should have this up while I was expounding on it, because this kind of describes a little bit of my thoughts on this. Now, if, if you were at all able to see, um, there was actually a castle on both sides there. Um, but it's a bit dark, and so you can't really see it. So you have to take my word for it. Um, and then there's a line, which is actually an arrow. And it's simple. It's just what I just spoke about, what we're reading in these verses. Repentance. Change our ways. So we get these little mini kingdoms. The kingdom of self. 
We'll call it that, the kingdom of self. Many kingdoms. And this is a legitimate kingdom. It's a legitimate, bona fide, God-honored kingdom. He gave us the freedom of choice, right? He gave us the freedom of will. So he'll honor our choices. He'll honor our little kingdoms. But he says, listen, there's another way. There's a better way. Get on board with what I'm doing. Get on board with what I am going to do. My kingdom is perfect. It's complete. And so have your kingdom, but bring your kingdom into my kingdom. Bring your way into my way. And so if you look at it, and this is kind of goes off what we learned last week with Jesus and his temptations. What is the way of the world? What is the way of Satan and the temptation that, that he tried to capture and ensnare Jesus with? You know, the, the freedom to choose. Choose what? Oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to consume. This is the kind of life I like for myself. This is what I want. This is what I want to keep on achieving. And, and so I'm going to spend my time putting forth so I can achieve these things because this is important to me. And at the end of the day, when I'm a ripe old age of 60 or 70. I want to still be alive, first of all. It'd be nice so I could be acknowledged and appreciated for all the wonderful things I've accomplished in my life. And I think that is the normal kind of way kingdom of the self is ran. You know, we've seen this in scriptures. We've already talked about it last week. And we're going to assume that this is, I'm sure there's more that could be said about it. But I think in general, this is kind of the kingdom of the self and how it operates. And here's God's kingdom. And there's a little cross there. And I put, I put the cross, the throne, of, uh, crown of thrones, because it's a crown. And Jesus is the, the king, and he deserves a crown. Ir- ironically enough, it was a crown of thorns that pierced his head, made him bleed and hurt. But he is the king. And so, you know, we'll take that irony with it. And the kingdom of heaven, which is what we're interested in, and what Jesus is bringing to us, what John brought to us. What is this kingdom of heaven? Well, you still have a choice. That's a cool thing. God doesn't take away our choice. He doesn't make us zombies. All of a sudden, I am a Christian robot. I will follow you and do what you say. No, you have a choice. And your choice is to bring your kingdom into God's kingdom. That's your choice. I choose not my will anymore, but his will. And so you simply ask a question. God, what do you want from me? What, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to think? How do you want me to behave? What, what, where, where do I fit into this thing called life? Not my will, but his will to be done in my life. And we're going to see more of this as Jesus starts to preach and expound very extensively, starting in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, beautiful. He's going to bring all these things right into it. So right now, you're going to have to just kind of, you know, take my word for it. But we're going to see these coming through and illuminate through Christ's teachings. I choose not my will, but his will to be done in my life, in my world. Sometimes I don't see what God sees, but I trust that he's there and at work. The reason why I put that is because, you know what, life can be tough. And sometimes God has put us in a path that's a bit bumpy, and a bit rocky, that's challenging. And you might want to use your own reason and resources to figure things out. But sometimes we have to just stop and say, you know what, God is the boss. God's in charge. And you know what, he loves me, he loves my family, and he loves us dearly and deeply, and his will is for good. And so I don't see everything that God sees because I'm not omnipotent, omniscient like God is. But God is, and that's a guy I serve, so I will just trust. And this is where faith comes in. This is why Christianity is a religion of faith. We need to trust. Trust and faith go hand in hand. Next slide, please. Thank you. So let's read on Matthew 4, 18 to 20. And this is where we get called. Okay, we know God's kingdom's there, but God uses people. And this is where we have to say, not my will, but your will be done. 
Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Hey, that's what they do, that's their work, they do, like me, for instance, you know, you, whatever. What we do at work, that's what we do, that's what we're known for. That's what they're doing, living life like normal. Totally unexpecting to see the Messiah pop in and say this, verse 19, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm glad you fish for fish, but wouldn't you rather fish for men? Wouldn't you rather bring men and capture men for the, for the kingdom of heaven and capture their imagination, capture their minds and capture their hearts for God? And what's the response? At once. They didn't stop and rationalize it. They didn't stop and say, oh, let me think about it, God. Let me pray about this. At once, they left their nets and followed him. I love this response. We tested Robert yesterday. I told him I was going to use him as an illustration. Uh, there was this thing that came up last minute in, in Cumberland Hall. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was kind of a, just kind of a makeshift meeting of, of various Christian people in, in the area and, and friends of, of my, myself. And, and, and Danny wanted to go with the boys. And so I said, you know what? And in fact, Danny said, why don't you call Robert? I go, you know what? And I was doing, preparing this. I'm like, yeah, let's call Robert last minute and see if he's ready to go. And he was like, in, he was an air at some friend's house. And he's like, oh. and you know what he said? Uh, I'm, I'm, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'm ready. I'll, I'll, what time do I need to be there? Uh, I'll pick you up in, in 30 minutes. Oh, I gotta get ready. Uh, okay, I'll do it. But he was there. We picked him up. He went and and he was was there, supported me in it. And, you know, probably wasn't a great time for him, but it was it was nice to see that he was ready. What do you want me to do, God? You know, and you know, of course, I'm not God. I'm Scott. I called and said, "Listen, you want to come and do this with me?" You know, and he said, "Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go." Boom. You know. Next slide. So again, just kind of, you know, um, uh, next slide. Just to kind of um, put this, in, you know. In clear terms, I taught by heart, but you know, again, to apply it to ourselves, because of course, reading the scriptures, we want to learn about the history in the context, but we also want to apply it to ourselves. You know, are you ready for His kingdom? You know, if He were to call you and say, "Let's go," would you be able to drop everything and go? Um, to Simon and Andrew, Jesus said, "Come and follow Me." Now, again, if you were at all able to see my black arrows on this, you would see that there's an arrow pointing down to. They did, or they didn't do. But what they did do is up on the top right. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Okay, Jesus said, come, follow me. Simple command, just like with God said to Jesus. God told Jesus, go out into the wilderness and fast. Go be alone and go fast. Simple as that. Jesus didn't overcomplicate it. He didn't ask questions and over-rationalize things. He did it. Satan wanted to distract him from doing that. It's a simple job. It was difficult because I'm, like, I can imagine fasting for 40 days would be impossible for many of us. He did it because he understood the simple, clear commands. Here, another simple, clear commands. Come, follow me. Now, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things like they didn't do, and I'm glad they didn't do this. They didn't say, well, sorry, mate, we've got work. Maybe some other time. You know, we don't know anyways. I mean, look at what happened to John the baptizer. He's in jail. And he's going to get his head chopped off pretty soon, just to let you guys know. I, I can see the fear, you know, but well, I don't want to go there because there's problems. You know, I'm, you're a nice guy, Jesus and all, but you're associated with the wrong crowd. That John Baptist is in jail. I don't want to do that stuff. I'll tell you what, come back tomorrow and, and we'll see. No, they fall immediately. That's, that's one example. Next slide, please. And we'll look at another example. Matthew 4, 21 to 22 says this. 
Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them in. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Okay, so very similar situation. Next slide. So, similar situation requires a similar diagram. This time, Jesus just called them. That's it. He didn't even say anything more than just the fact that he called them. He might, he might have just said nothing. He might have just said, Sometimes when God calls us, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of gives us that impulse. And what did they say? Well, they immediately left their boat and their father and followed them. Just said, we're out of here. Boom. Jump, jump ship. And left their father as well, which uh, I thought was interesting. And that's why I put down there on the bottom what they didn't do. They didn't say, sorry, mate, I've got work. Maybe some other time. After all, we, we can't leave the old man here without any help. You know, that wouldn't be, that'd be totally unchristian. You guys obviously see the irony with that. Christ would never do anything that's unchristian because he's Christ. But we, but we might you know, have our uh, false opinions about what Christ would and wouldn't do. Well, we can't leave the old guy. We've got to take care of him. I mean, after all, Mr. Thunder, that's what he means, thunder, you know, the sons of thunders, they would call him. He's angry, and he might start throwing boats and fishing. He might catch us. He might become a fisher of men, and we'll be the men he would catch him. But regardless, they trusted God. They trusted Jesus. They, they understood that Jesus was the Messiah. They trust him. They even trusted their father to, ta- to take care of the fishing business while they're away. You know, they didn't rationalize it, they didn't overthink it. They just did. They just followed. And that's tough. These things take trust. These things take faith. But now let's look at, see what Jesus did as he began his ministry. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, as he begins his ministry, one important thing, and this is starting to bring out the kind of people that Jesus reaches out to. This starts to bring out the idea of what God's kingdom is all about and who it's for. What is God's kingdom? What does it do? Who is it available to? And we start to see this right off the bat, the very beginning of his ministry. We have his message, and that's all we have so far. And then him calling some disciples. That's all we have so far. But now we're going to actually see the ministry at hand right here in this portion of scriptures. And this is where we'll end with these portion of scriptures today, which will conclude verse or chapter 4. So it says, read with me, Jesus went throughout Galilee, uh, that whole area you know, that he was living and residing in, teaching in the synagogues. The synagogues would be like our churches today, going from church to church, trying to take as many opportunities as he possibly can to do what? Preaching or proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's what he did. He came to preach, to talk about, to let people know, understand the good news of the kingdom. And so far, we know something of the kingdom. It's here. It's at hand. God's kingdom is here. Good news. <coughs> the kingdom of God. In fact, go ahead and advance the next slide um, while I um, talk about it some more. George. Yeah. And there you go. God's kingdom. It's all about Jesus. And so the good news he's saying is basically this. That Messiah you're waiting for, guess what? Here he is. Aren't you excited? This is good news. All this waiting and darkness and depression and depravity and sickness and illness and frustration, all this is now 
It all makes sense. The Messiah is here. I'm here. So the kingdom's all about Jesus. And that's what he preached. Look, the Messiah is here. Good news. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is accessible now because of it's a hand, Jesus. And Jesus is going to explain how God's way, God's will is, is, is accessible. And then, of course, he's going to go out and actually do some pretty amazing things like healing. Oh, never mind. <clears throat> and so he heals every disease and sickness among the people. Every Now, again, this is a miracle. The, the, the purpose and the point of miracles, like we've, we talked about earlier, like with Jonah and different places, is, is to authenticate a person's um, ministry in the Old Testament, like a prophet or for the Messiah, for, us, for this instance. Now that Jesus is here and he's done these amazing things, all these miracles were necessary to authenticate. He wasn't just saying things, but he was actually doing things. And this is God agreeing. So every time we see a miracle and Jesus' life is just filled, even like his birth itself, a virgin birth is a miracle. His death and resurrection, these are all miracles. Feeding of the 5,000 we'll talk about, and the healings of various sorts, even raising a man from the dead. All miracles. This is God. This is God and his kingdom. Now, this, the power and the magnitude of these healings and miracles was authenticate the calling life of Jesus. However, it isn't to say that God doesn't still do these things. God has always, from the beginning of time, because of his kingdom, because of his ways, he has always healed his kingdom is there. His power is there. God doesn't remove his power. He doesn't remove his authority. God can and will do whatever he wants to do. Bear in mind, we are talking about God. He can't interject at any time. He can't heal at any time. He can do amazing things at any time. At this time, he's doing it at an intense level because he really wants to pour out the spirit and authenticate Christ's ministry because this is an important time in history in which it needs to be solidified that Christ is the Messiah. But God's kingdom, God's will, that's the important part of healings and miracles. So we might ask ourselves, why does God not heal certain things today? Why do we see certain you know, learning disabilities, um, injuries, cancers, so on and so forth? Why do they exist? Why do they plague us still today? God can heal. God will heal. He's interested in the ultimate healing of all time, and that's the healing of the soul and the heart and the spirit. But we got to consider that God's will, and that's why God's kingdom is integrated with God's will. And so what we need to ask ourselves is, God, what are you doing? What do you want to do? And sometimes God will heal, and God will want to heal. And so we need to be prayerful of that, and accessible to that, and open to that, and never close our minds to the fact that God can and will heal people, and heal things. But we need to approach him with that, in faith and in trust, that he will heal it. He may not, and we need to be mature and open to say, well, that's what God's will is for this person and for our lives. But, we can't just be shut off and say, well, God doesn't heal. We just need to be patient and quiet and obedient to God in his will. It's, it's a balancing act. God's will. He may say yes, he may say no. But we need to be in line. And how else are we going to know what God wants if we're not daily plugged in to God's kingdom, which is at hand? And I'll tell you right now, when Jesus starts preaching about, or talking to us, teaching us about prayer, we're going to find out that, in fact, when people are sick and we are ill, and there is, you know, you know, these 
diseases or sicknesses or whatever, that we should be praying about these things constantly and offering them to God constantly with the faith and with the anticipation that he will heal like he does in these verses here. So in verse 24, news about him spreads all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, demon possessed, having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Now, embrace what's going on here historically. Just really embrace what's going on here historically, guys. Jesus showed up. He begins his ministry, and what does he do? Does he go hang out with the, with the Pharisees and Sadducees and rationalize with them, try to convince them? No. He goes to the people that are ready for him. The Pharisees and Sadducees, as we will find out, are not ready for the kingdom of God. They think they are in principle, but their hearts are not ready. They're closed off to God's kingdom. These people are at their wit's end. God's kingdom is for people who are at their wit's end, who have tried with all their strength, with all the resources, and they cannot do it. They're not being healed. They're poor. They're broke. They're, They're religiously... They can't afford their sacrifices. They, they, they're, they're, they're possessed by various demons. Maybe this is a sign of mental illness. They're depressed. They're down. They can't get up. They can't pick their spirits up. They can't pick their heads up. They're done. They're at the end of themselves. This is who the kingdom of heaven is for. We're going to find out in the Beatitudes when Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are shattered and thrashed. Blessed? We're going to talk about that next week. Blessed. How can we say blessed? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This whole thing is about kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus preaching? What did John preach? The kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven for? Who is the kingdom of heaven for? Simple people. Broken people. Thrash people. Not sophisticated people who have got it all figured out. He's not interested in the Pharisees and Sadducees just now. They'll show up eventually and he'll smack them down. Because they're not ready for him. They, don't, they can't understand the kingdom of God. But these people who are at their wits end, who've tried with everything in them to make sense of life, to make sense of God, to make sense of religion, to make sense of their problems, to make sense of their trials, to make sense of this lot that God has given them in their life. They're trying to make sense of it. This, these people, that is what the kingdom of heaven is for. Simple people who see their need for God's healing touch. That's what the kingdom of God's for. And he's going to start... He starts to preach. First of all, um, we got to look at the big picture. Look at Jesus walking around from synagogue to synagogue, and he's healing people. He's touching people. He's reaching out to people, you know. And then he goes, he's going to start preaching the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. That's going to start next week. And we want to take in what is happening here. He's, he's got a compassionate heart for this, these people and these broken people who are at the end of themselves. And he's going to start opening his mouth. And the first thing he says is how blessed they are. How blessed they are. How blessed they are. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the mourning. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Blessed are all these people who are persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are those who are falsely accused. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You're thrashed, you're kicked down, you're, you're poor, you're broke, you're, you, you can't get up anymore. You're done. Well, guess what? You're blessed. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. So I guess the, well, the real question would be this, and we'll end with this. You know, do we see, do you see, do I see the need for God's healing touch in our lives? Again, going back to the different kingdoms. Our kingdom, if we want to run according to our own resources, we would say, God, 
you're nice and all, and I'll worship you on Sunday, but all this trials and all these, you know, all, all these wounds in my life and all these wounds in my family's lives, I'll let the NHS deal with it. I'll let this, the social society take care of it, and I'll deal with it with my own mental resources and education and, and, and know-how. That's our kingdom. We need to break those walls down and say, God, I'm thankful for these things. However, you need to interact. You need to be a big part of this. You need to guide, govern, and rule this kingdom. Because you see, I'm tired, I'm thrashed, I'm broken. There's only so much I can take from others. But from you, God, you're a God who's always there and infinite in resources, infinite in love, infinite in care. Oh,